Hello, and welcome to Code Embers, your informatics low-key healthcare podcast that feeds on data and connects concepts to the elements. I'm John Manning in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I'm Mike Wang uh, out of the Bay Area in California. And we love to talk about all things informatics today. How are you doing, Mike? Good. How's your week been? Pretty good. Uh, pretty busy and uh, heavy into the weeds on the uh, development side, but um, uh, reassuring overall, and it's uh, it's fun to do. So. Yeah, definitely. It's a nice it's a nice break to code when you're not dealing with uh, COVID patients all the time, I suppose. Yeah, it, realistically, I think um, it's a different part of your brain, and I think they're both um, fulfilling yeah. in in their own separate ways. Yeah, certainly. So today. I, I think there's a number of things that we could cover, and for people that are just listening to this podcast, uh, as we go through uh, from week to week, our general plan is that we are going to cover uh, at least some elements of our core content of informatics, but then also tie this into some of the things that are happening in the news, uh, as well as uh, ways that others can get involved and, and build from there. Uh, and there is a pretty interesting newsworthy article uh, to cover this week, um, which is the acquisition of Nuance. What were your thoughts on that, yeah. Mike? Uh, it, it's really interesting. I mean, I think it demonstrates that, like, you know, I, I think the news we've seen in the last few weeks really shows that most of the, you know, giant players are making a you know, a, a, a real try to get into medicine um, now that telemedicine is kicking off um, and things are sort of going significant. You know, I think the digitization of medicine has really accelerated in the context of COVID. Um, like we, we saw, you know, Amazon's kicking off their telehealth services. Um, and now, yeah, now we see Microsoft making the acquisition of Nuance and uh, and Google announcing uh, like a, a, tr- a sign up of patients for their their medical record in I think in your area right like they're doing it in in Atlanta and the Carolinas I think I believe so I will look into that a little bit more uh, but you know realistically I think this is you know, it'll be really interesting to see where uh, the big tech um, once again inserts uh, their footprint into um, the things that we are using every day within healthcare and yeah. you know as as we are using um, well you know, these tools and finding our frustrations with usability, et cetera, uh, the hope are that uh, a lot of these uh, these acquisitions and these um, large-scale, uh, I mean, power plays and moves uh, will end up feeding down to us at the bedside in a manner that is impactful overall. So I'm looking forward to seeing more. And if it's in the Carolinas, uh, I'm going to be really excited. Yeah, uh, definitely. But, uh, yeah, no, this is um, it's been an interesting <laughs> week, at least in terms of uh, big tech uh, within healthcare. Yeah, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, I, I I am a little hesitant given Microsoft's track record with acquisitions in the past, but you know they've been doing a lot of uh, good work recently. I think in the healthcare space, so excited to see what else they can put together. Oh yeah, and you know, uh, GitHub, you know, yeah. <laughs> um, LinkedIn. I, there's so many uh, large things that we use on a on a daily basis um, or on a very frequent basis that are um, not specific to healthcare, but um, interesting and important acquisitions um, that worked out really well. VS Code is another good yep. one. 
the development platform that I use, uh, Flutter, um, when they went live with Flutter 2.0 about six weeks ago. Uh, nice. one, yeah, I know, right? One of the primary um, key contributors to the open source Flutter um, tech stack is also uh, Microsoft. And, you know, when, when you're on the topic of free and open source software, there's a lot of um, large companies that like to get involved and help move these things forwards and also the community, um, Ubuntu uh, and uh, even Toyota were some of the other um, newsworthy items from that. Uh, and that yeah. the upcoming cars with Toyota are going to be using um, Flutter for their layouts, uh, which is pretty cool. I was just looking. It looks like it's just Atlanta. It's Northern California, Atlanta, and Chicago. Ah. Oh. Not in the Carolines yet. You got me. Uh, <laughs> well, hopefully sooner than later. You got me excited and looking forward to that. So we'll see. We just have to. We'll have to. We'll just have to drive a couple hours south. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. We'll get there. So you know, I think. One of the things that we had talked about during our last episode was leading into at least a little bit of a discussion on fire. And um, yeah. I, I think that, uh, well, for people who have watched my YouTube videos, there may be a bit of confusion as to why there's fire in every single one of my videos. Um, this is the other type <laughs> of fire, uh, fast healthcare interoperability resources uh, by Health Level 7 uh, organization that's been around for 30 to 40 years, and Fire Draft 1 has been around since 2011. For those who don't know, Fire is the current global technical standard for interoperability of healthcare data. And uh, all things that can be communicated that are relevant to an electronic medical record, including you know, a patient or an observation, like their vital signs or blood pressure, their heart rate, uh, their problem list, their health concerns, um, uh, all listed under as a condition. All of these elements, including you know medicines and billing and things like that, um, are listed within this standard so that data can be transmitted from one uh, technical system to another. And that is that's purely the premise of fire. I've found that, or at least from what I've heard and what I've seen, working with fire can be a little bit of a challenge uh, given, uh, well, if you're not used to working with uh, what's called RESTful APIs, or if you're not used to using the standard um, message uh, messaging um methodology that all of our HTTP and websites use, get, post, uh, put, stuff like that. Or if you're not used to seeing something that is listed in a JSON um, JavaScript object uh, notation uh, as a file like that, then it just looks like a huge amount of complexity. And the question is, well, what's the benefit and what's the payload? Um, is that similar to what you've seen, uh, Mike? Yeah, I think so. I mean, I think we run into a couple of issues. I think the, you know, fire fire in my experience has been pretty good as a data model um, for the things where it's mature. Um, I think that the 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 spec around it, the, the interfacing with that, you know, the the REST interface, um, some of the the way the search parameters are implemented, um, can be, 
can be challenging um, to actually build apps on top of. Um, and, you know, especially, you know, I, I think the key thing here is that the, you know, it's the, it's for, for the parts of medicine where it's mature and, and, and has been well explored, I think it does a good job of representing reality um, of what the actual data looks like in healthcare. Um, but, you know, there are certainly parts of the healthcare experience that it's not, it, it's not sort of designed for. So, for example, if you're building an app on top of Fire, uh, things like user settings, a lot of your sort of metadata um, does not, you know, the Fire is not built for that. And so you really have to, you know, you make this <clears throat> decision between, you know, really going all in on Fire and really customizing it to, to be able to accommodate sort of user settings and those sorts of things. Or, um, or you end up having to build sort of, okay, my user settings go here, my clinical data goes there, um, and then trying to figure out, like, you know, when a piece of data goes in one place or the other can sometimes get a little bit tricky. Yeah, and, you know, there is the use of extensions that you can harness, um, especially as you're trying to uh, work your way into elements that uh, maybe don't previously exist as a a fire resource or could be a a more optimized element for for something that you're using. But, yeah, you're right. There there are um, certainly some challenges um, as you're trying to get up to speed, uh, either if the data elements don't quite exist or match what you're looking for, um, or if uh, there isn't a, uh, a current uh, system that has been in place. But that said, the, um, you know, the process of uh, transitioning into FHIR compared to the original draft from 2011 to the second version, which is called DSTU2, uh, the third is STU3, and the current one is R4. As we've gone further and further down that path, you start noticing that more of these elements uh, are available as normative uh, content, which essentially means that um, they're they're stable. They've been kind of locked into that area, and they, they follow a lot of the... Um, interversion compatibility rules. So if you ever go to uh, hl7.org slash fire and you click on the version that you're, uh, that you're looking through and the default is going to be version 4, you'll see a nice green N on the content that's there and has um, persisted uh, over time and is something that should be... Um, uh, well, I would suggest that as the one of the first things that you look through. Um, they also have, uh, and this is um, uh, with uh, Firely, um, uh, which is uh, one of the uh, European-based companies, um, I believe, in the Netherlands. Yeah, I think they're based in the uh, Amsterdam or something. No, I, I think it's Amsterdam. So, um, yeah, you know, realistically, HL7 and Firely uh, come together uh, at several times a year and create this uh, Dev Days uh, event, uh, which is uh, the upcoming one is June 7th through 10th, uh, where they're going to be having virtual discussions uh, about some of the cool stuff that are related to and around fire. And um, both of us will actually be speaking uh, on various topics that we, uh, that we have done um, within the healthcare space. Uh, and uh, two of the other people that will be presenting from the physician side will be representing uh, Firefly, which is um, one of the means that we have been using to 
connect to fire data, even though you aren't necessarily an expert on fire. Uh, certainly by no means would I consider myself an expert in fire, but um, I can use the package that has everything serialized and deserialized. And <laughs> if I say, hey, I have a condition and I need to add that as a health concern or a problem list, then I just do that. And I think there's some benefit, really, whenever you're looking at something that is incredibly complex that has then been, I would just say, flattened out a little bit so that you see the elements that you want and you say, this is what I want. And then everything under the engine just works um, and it works for you and with you. I, I see a lot of things that are shifting towards that. And I think that's one of the, the larger benefits of fire, at least right now, um, given its opportunity uh, to exist in that space, you know, for people that aren't as used to it. Um, that's a lot of words. I'm going <laughs> to bring in a flutter example because that's what I know. And I'll, you know, it's, it's, um, declarative programming instead of imperative programming. Uh, and what you say is, this is what I want and everything underneath that works for you. And in flutter, it's a widget. So I want a widget that shows a text box. Okay. And it does that. Or if I want to have multiple text boxes together uh, as a list of widgets in a column, you just say, this is what I want, and everything works under the hood to work with you. Um, same idea for like a row. And the cool stuff about what you can do with that is then the other elements. You know, uh, let's say, well, I'm building something in, um, you know, in, in Spanish or in, um, you know, in French or another language that is left to right aligned, well, all of my rows are going to be left to right. Whereas if you switch to, you know, like um, Farsi or Arabic or one of the right to left aligned languages, it will make those changes automatically for you without you having to distinguish that. And I think that element of this is what I want, this is as far as I, I currently understand and can get down into, and then everything under the hood just working for you, I imagine that's going to be some element of what we see as we're moving forward, um, specifically with data management and healthcare. Yeah, I think there's a lot of room for like clinically opinionated sort of functions uh, when interacting with fire. Like, you know, it's it's pretty difficult as a physician to be be like, okay, well, how do I get from a patient and then query the most recent uh, like sodium, uh, serum sodium for that patient, right? That, that requires a lot of steps. Um, um, but I, I think, you know, ultimately we could, you know, there's going to be tooling that allows, you know, either kind of technical clinicians or developers to be able to do those things, um, pretty easily. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, as, as you're going through this, um, uh, fire and these, uh, standardized records, um, and, you know, really they're uh, standards for exchange. Uh, you think about uh, for digital imaging and, and your PACS system, PACS systems, these are, you know, that's DICOM, the digital imaging and communications in medicine. You know, these are important things as you are um, communicating health data uh, from one element to another. And, you know, there's uh, from the laboratory side, there are laboratory information systems. Um, and, you know, from 
some aspect of, you know, when you hear of a diagnosis code, you know, where it fits within the ICD or international classification of diseases, um, you know, vocabularies, terminologies, and nomenclatures, well, you know, your, every procedure you do, frequently there is a, a CPT code that is connected to that. Or, you know, a lot of the uh, orders that we have that are within healthcare are tied to a LOINC code, L-O-I-N-C, Logical Observation Identifiers, Names, and Codes. And, you know, just as you're going through, uh, if you find you have an interest in informatics as a whole, uh, you may find some of these things to be interesting. Either the development of these standardized um, terminologies, or you could even go as far as to... (laughs) going into the realm of ontology, if you like. Um, I can't believe I had gone through as much training as I had, and then I went to an informatics conference, and I was presenting at something in the ontology section, <laughs> and it was in that event when I actually realized, what is an, what is an ontology? I mean, that's, you know, how do you describe um, uh, the elements that are there? Um, but, you know, as you're looking through it, it there is a lot of value of having standardization and consistency amongst fields. I think. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's how you, it's how you get data to actually, you know, it's, it's, it's a first step towards semantic interoperability, which I, I think I won't go into too much here, but. <laughs> oh no, no, we should go way, way deep into the weeds. Absolutely. And you know what, you know, the fun little spoiler uh, is I love uh, the curly braces problem. Yeah. Because if you use that word, an informatician will just be like, oh, yeah, yeah, okay. And most other people are like, what on earth are you even talking about? And I think that is one of the really, really good opportunities that one of the things that really speaks to the strength of having good, high-quality data that is interoperable. Because if you fix that, then the curly braces problem goes away. Yeah, for the non-clinicians in the room, the my, my sort of plain word definition of of interoper- semantic interoperability is you know is solving something like so, let's say there's a let's say someone dr- like checked your sugar level and the doctor was like was that sugar level checked in a in a in an emergency room visit um i want to be able to look in that i need to be able to take that sugar level with that context and then have someone ingest it into another healthcare system and also realize that this was a sugar level that was checked during an emergency room visit. You would think that that is easy to do, but is it actually extraordinarily hard to do right now? <laughs> like the sh- I, I think, you know, with, with some of the new, uh, and potentially we could get into this too, like with, with the 21st Century Cures Act and some of the requirements there, I think um, it is, it is the, the, the foundations are in place for, you know, for, for people to realize that, oh, this was, there was a sugar level that was checked for, for Mr. Smith. Right. Uh, um, I think that is that sort of level of interoperability is, is starting to be put in place. But that, that whole context around it is still not quite there yet. Yeah. I'd still like the uh, blood pressure analogy where um, health system A stores blood pressure uh, and they separate it out based on the cuff versus on an arterial line. Yeah. Whereas health system B stores <laughs> their data for blood pressure where systolic is one thing and diastolic yeah. is its yeah. own separate field. Yeah. And then there's mean arterial pressure, yeah. and then health system C separates if it's by your arm or your leg, and it's all a blood pressure, yeah. or is it? Yeah. And you know, if you're trying to get insights from that, you have blood pressure, and then you have a whole bunch of curly braces in between, 
and then you have the insights that are there, yeah. um, which make it really painful. But once you have a standardization of both the data that you're using, um, USCDI would be another one, uh, a good example yeah. for that. Uh, so um, version two of the United States core data for interoperability and FIRE together. Uh, the analogy that I heard at one AMIA conference that I love is think of USCDI as kind of your thesaurus or the dictionary of all the data fields that are there. And then FIRE is the way that you're communicating that from one to the other. So it's, it's, it's almost like the language that you're using to get that point across. And I think that's a pretty cool way to, um, to consider this. Yeah, it's, it's the FIRE is supposed to be the lingua franca, right? Yeah. Um, it's, it's like, you know, imagine trying to do Imagine trying to do uh, finance if everybody used different numeral systems. <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, you know, the um, XKCD comic of um, uh, there are 14 standards. Um, uh, how do we address this? Well, let's create a new standard. Yeah. Um, it's that. And, you know, realistically, I think that we need something that is um, enforcing and fully supported at that level of standardization so that we can yeah. all finally be using the same language so that, that now we are a little bit less siloed and we can build from there. Um, and even though I don't consider myself a fire expert at all, um, I know how to work with fire data. And I yeah. think there's a lot of value to that. Mm -hmm. And I think that using that in a manner that's helpful is really, you know, that, that should be where we're going moving forward. Yeah, and I think even <clears throat> so much of it is just getting the categorization right, like, like like knowing that labs and vitals all go into observations, right, so that in the future all physicians know, or any consumer of, of, of data, healthcare data, just knows, like, okay, I go look for observations, and this is where I go for labs and vitals. And, you know, even if something more complex, like a microbiology report, isn't done exactly the same way, at least you know to go there, to, that's where you look for these things, right? Like, that, that already saves a lot of time. Um, because, you know, in the EHR now, like, you you know, you have to go hunt around in the, sometimes things are in the radiology tab, sometimes things are in the in the, the, the laboratory tab, sometimes you have to go to the outside record tab. <laughs> it's just, right. there, there's so many, there's so many places where things can be found. Yeah, and it, it also kind of fits with the, you know, the these data are also continuing to grow a bit. Uh, we could talk to um, uh, gravity and uh, some of the social determinants of health efforts that are um, defining and refining uh, the way that we use um, that we use these terms in healthcare um, so that we can help our patients overall. I think that also fits with that same process of how you can take these and, and um, move the needle forward, uh, but do this interoperably. Yeah. Yeah, and I think, to, you know, something I think that people often forget is that fire is only supposed to get you, like, at most 80% of the way there, right? Like, they, they acknowledge that there's going to be, you know, extensions and customization for the t last 20% of a given use case. Um, but the idea is if you have the core sort of, like, um, objects and principles in place, then, then, then you get those benefits of interoperability long-term. Um, and I think something that, that is often not not understood is that you know, interoperability is not just is not just a long term thing um, across you know between two different organizations. It's often even something that internally within a healthcare system or within a company is is is, is unsolved. Um, yeah, absolutely. So. so each episode 
we have some aspect of uh, content that we'll cover to, for those that are less familiar with informatics, we'll, um, we'll explain it and uh, show how that ties to healthcare. Uh, what we also like to do, because we're um, apparently obsessed with analogies here, um, <laughs> we like to give random analogies. Uh, Mike, do you have any analogy for us to, uh, to give today or connection to the elements? Uh, connection to the elements for today, huh? Um, let's see. So my, my analogy that I've recently had for fire um, is, uh, for those of you who live in the Bay Area, there's a freeway called the, um, the 280. It's a bit of a funny freeway. Um, it cuts through the heart of downtown. Um, and it connects um, the it connects it's sort of like a shortcut for the 101, which is one of the interstates in in that run through the city. Uh, but it doesn't quite connect the the southern portion of the the 101 to the northern portion of the 101. It comes just about two blocks short um, as far as being like a freeway. Um, so I often will say that um, I don't know. I, I think of fire as a as a wide road. Um, if it can get you where you need to go, you really should use it. Um, just because it isn't perfect and complete um, doesn't mean you should completely abandon it and exclude it from your navigation. So I guess this is a very, very roundabout way of saying that fire is sort of like uh, like a road, which is sort of the earth element. Sorry. When do we get Captain Planet? I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah I don't, it's, it's not quite heart. <laughs> not quite heart. Yeah, we'll get there. No, we'll get there. Uh, or maybe we can make an Avatar reference, uh, which I... Oh, it's much better. Oh, love that show. Uh, but, yeah, okay. All right, I'll accept it. So we've done Fire, we've done Earth. Um, and uh, I guess, well, who knows what we'll do next time. I guess we did do... Does Koi Pond count? Does that actually count? Is Koi Pond, Pond going to be our water? Is that our water one? <laughs> it could be. <laughs> <laughs> Because we kind of talked about that last time. Uh, so <laughs> it was really more the fish than the ponds, but I guess it could be both. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Mike, do you have any uh, tech hacks for tech us hacks. today? Or life hacks? Or I guess, are we going to do these as life hacks? Or are we going to use them as tech hacks? Or does it matter? I don't know. It's, 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 I think, I think anything, anything applies. Okay. Just a hack. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just a hack. you got to hack something. Um, okay. What are you going to hack yeah. today? All right, so my, my like life hack for this week is is that I've discovered that using the um, having an alarm on my smartwatch uh, with the vi- on on the vibrate setting is good for just waking up myself in the morning without having to disturb um, the dog or my partner in the morning if I have to wake up at some ungodly hour like five thirty. Assuming you don't sleep through it. Uh, assuming you don't sleep through it, yes. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, I'll, I'll give a life hack um, on many systems. Uh, including on in your electronic medical record or on Windows or on things like that, you will have a little letter under um, you know some element. So if it says shut down, the U will be underlined. And if you ever see that, either pressing that letter or Alt in that letter will usually be the keyboard shortcut that will get you that same um, that same action. So. A good example on uh, Windows, if you press Alt and then Spacebar, it brings the element that shows up at the very top. And then if you press C, that will actually close the window that is physically there. So that's a very fast way to close a window with barely moving your hand if you have it um, rested on the keyboard. But that little underline 
uh, is extremely useful, uh, especially as you're working through uh, some of the, the major vendor EMRs, because you can press like Alt and I, and that will sign your order. Or you can press, um, you know, maybe Alt and C, and that will start to open the patient's chart or things along those lines. So just be on the lookout for an underline under some text over a single letter, uh, because that may actually be a shortcut that you haven't learned yet. That's pretty cool. <laughs> I hadn't known yeah. that. Yeah. Uh, a good friend of mine from college, uh, his laptop screen was completely broken. And he could yeah. turn his computer on, log in, load a uh, document editing software, and type everything in real time stream of consciousness without <laughs> access to a monitor. That's pretty And funny. he could also do this like for music and for all sorts of other really cool stuff. He oh. was very good at keyboard shortcuts and uh, I learned a handful of things just from, man, he had a broken laptop and he figured out how to work around that without a screen. Um, just imagine going back home or into your dorm or whatever, plugging your laptop onto your monitor and then looking at all of the stream of consciousness words that you just wrote down, assuming you actually got the keyboard shortcuts um, to open to open your word editing software. That's crazy. I mean, I was, yeah. I, I was trying, I, I think my dream would be to have that sort of like, almost like uh like mental operating system combined with like mm -hmm. a one-handed keyboard it would make me much more productive. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. And, and many systems control question mark will yeah. open that up or command question mark. Yeah. That'll actually start to show you because you can't learn all of those at once. There's no point. Um, but learning a couple of them here and yeah. there can be super, super useful. So cool. Um, cool. well, Pleasure as always. Uh, I have not thought of a catchy thing to end with. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I guess we're on to the next one. On, on to the next one. On to Cleveland. On to the next one. Well, I, I usually say, say stay safe out there. Do you think that would be good? Okay. <laughs> I don't know. Do you have a catchy title? And do you have a catchy end? Question mark? No. Question mark? No? <laughs> okay. That's what the way the ashes. That's the way the ashes crumble. That's the way the ashes crumble. <laughs> awesome. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Uh, so, with all of that said, thanks for joining us on Code Embers. I'm John Manning. Mike Wing. And take care, everyone. Stay safe out there. The intro and outro music is called Flutter by Jazzar, available under the CC by SA 4.0 license. This podcast is licensed similarly.